Hey, Adam. What's up? Do you like history? Yes. Are you skeptical? Yes. Yeah. I always think of it as more his story. Oh, boy. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you on a Friday. On a Friday. And today's... Hump day is behind us. Yeah, thank it's you. Behind I'm so us. glad you figured out what hump day is. Yeah. There was a couple weeks there where it was really touch and go. Fridays are considered bridge day. Did you know that? Right. It's the bridge between the week and the weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, not cool, but <laughs> it's fine. I just made that up. Yeah. I like it. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by the Oxford American. Make sure you take a minute to visit OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI. You'll find a curated collection of musical content, including an interview with Les McCann, a video feature about a lifelong collector of 78 RPMs, and an in-depth story on John Coltrane. Uh, again, that's OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI. There's some great deals there. Pete, I know you love the Oxford American. I love the Oxford. I love their font. I love their font too. What is that? is that the Oxford font? I don't, I don't know. know. But th- but this is the thing is we were talking about this a couple weeks ago about the quality that you can get on a quarterly because they take the time for these little details makes yep. it so rewarding to read. And uh, they actually before they print up each of their quarterly magazines, they uh, lay it out on an old school. Uh, no, maybe you're making all this up. <laughs> it seems like it. Though. I mean, the quality in your hand seems like that. That it's like. It's it's beautiful. It, it looks beautiful. It reads beautiful, and it's 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 to be savored. So that's OxfordAmerican.org/slash/YHI for some great deals. Yep. What do we got going on today? Well, today we're we're going to tackle a small subject of Open Studio and the history of Open Studio. And I feel like we've done this, but we have on another shall not be named podcast. The process with Peter Martin. Well, I guess it shall be named. I just <laughs> named it. Seek and you shall find. That was Open a the good door. podcast. That was, was a good podcast. It was an hour long though, which is a little long. Yeah. To produce, and we have a lot of unedited episodes i say it was a little long to produce like we're not doing a friggin daily podcast now for over yeah a we year. decided to get rid of that one and go to a daily yes. format something instead. easier like a podcast every day for yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of our lives um no so we had talk about this a little bit i don't know if we've talked about it on you'll hear it very much just about you know people see this open studio logo behind us yeah. on youtube or they see uh the logo on the podcast app what is open studio um so I don't know. Why don't you give us a, a brief history of how Open Studio came to be? As you know, you're one of Open Studio's co-founders. Yes, and um, stay tuned for right afterwards. We're going to be doing a history of Kranich and Bach right below the sign. Oh, I know we'll nothing <laughs> of Kranich and Bach except no. for that's janky. <laughs> um, okay, so Open Studio. Yeah, well, the uh, the genesis of Open Studio. First of all, Open Studio is jazz lessons from jazz legends. Bam! Mm. I said it. That's what's up. Uh, no, we have you know lessons, tutorials, courses from really some of the greats, but not just the great players. Really, we pride ourselves on having great instructors. They're great artists, but they know how to share and some innovative ways to share their knowledge to let you behind the uh, the curtain a little bit to see how they do their craft in an entertaining and uh, dare I say edutainment. <laughs> Can I throw that out there? Yeah, you should. In an engaging way. I mean, I th- I think it's pretty cool because some of the stuff is like on instruments, maybe even that I'm not interested in that much, or other folks are, but it's still really interesting. I mean, I love Greg Hutchinson's uh, Fundamentals of Jazz Drumming. That's one of my favorite courses we've ever produced because I, I am interested in drums, as you as are you. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of it. But even though I can't play a lot of the stuff that he does in there, I love the insight I, I get. And he's just so entertaining and and passionate about 
explaining what he does and he's so giving he doesn't hold back at all you know yeah we have an amazing stable of artists that that yep. have an incredible collection of courses for us yeah. as you said and but it's amazing just to think about like the amount of like knowledge and, and from all different places and, and sources that's kind of collected through these people because we all learn from so many you know different masters and mentors that we all individually had so yeah. it's kind of like fun to kind of bring that all into one place for folks to learn from so but going back to the very, very beginning. So, yeah. you know, I remember first really meeting you for the first time. It couldn't have been too long after Hurricane Katrina because you were living in New Orleans at the time. Right. Uh, 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit. You lost your house. Yes. And you had young children. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you and your family eventually, it wasn't even immediate, but eventually like you relocated Right, we here to St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah, and it was going to be temporary at first. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was that like? Um, well, it was. You know, we knew we had a lot of family here, and we both, my wife and I, grew up in St. Louis, so it was somewhat of a homecoming. But it was like a, a real, uh, you know, abrupt one. Like gather your stuff and and go. And so we were going to stay temporarily, and then when we ended up staying permanently, which was you know kind of over really a year or so, two years before that was totally decided, but. Um, you know, the kids were young and in school and stuff. Um, it's hard to move the kids when they're in the school. That's, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, jumping all around. Um, but, you know, a little bit after that, I mean, I've always taught and I come from like a really strong educational foundation, both with my parents who are both, you know, musicians and teachers. And also I, I had great teachers growing up. I was mm. very you know, lucky to have that, blessed to have wonderful teachers. So it's always been something, although I wasn't formally trained as an educator, I feel like I was just being around mm. great educators and great artists. So, um, you know, I was doing a little bit of, I've always done some teaching, uh, mostly sort of playing, but interested in teaching. But uh, I started doing some lessons online that really came out of this two-minute jazz concept because two-minute jazz started the whole thing wait that was before open studio and that was even before youtube was officially out we used to have put up two minute jazz on something called viddler what is that you don't know nothing about I it don't andrew do you know about viddler you're probably 11 years old when viddler was that was like before youtube that was going to be the big youtube it was a video platform and it was jankity a the other one you know and it was well that's good because i've seen some of the two minute jazz videos and they're, they're not uh, <laughs> well i mean dude that that was pre-iphone that wasn't even i that was like you know flip cam yeah square you yeah, know yeah, yeah. sd not hd yeah, that's right. um but really i just started making these little videos for some of my students up in chicago actually um that had questions i would go up there and teach at northwestern a couple times a month work with the jazz piano majors and they'd always have questions and i thought it would be easier to show them in video so what that led me to do was to make these little videos, but it, I, I started to learn how to teach via video, which cool. was an interesting thing. Because I, and it, I mean, it's been done. Of course, you have, you know, VHS and DVD tutorial courses, and there's a great, rich history of this. But these were little short things that could be disseminated, you know, like quickly, um, as opposed to telling someone what to do, show them what to do, mm. you know, give them an example and tell them. And so, we, you know, we were doing the, the two minute jazz, and then YouTube kind of came along at that time. And uh, my partner in starting Open Studio, Dan Martin. Had, had an idea about putting them on YouTube, or I think we'd seen it. I, don't, I can't even remember exactly how it was. We're like, oh, we'll put it anywhere just to see what happens. Uh, and then we also put it on the first round of podcasts on Apple, yeah. um, which was like when the iPod came out. Yeah, yeah. And we got a little traction there, just a little luck of the draw, that they were looking for original content. So they featured us uh, early on. Ap as Apple like a, featured you. Apple as like a, on the podcast 
iTunes podcast store, which was like super slow loading for everybody because this was... That was a behemoth. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they kind of figured out a way. That was like the first time when it was sort of usable. Right. And people had these these iPods. And um, so we just got lucky because there wasn't a lot of instructional. So if somebody searched sort of jazz, piano, or whatever, two-minute jazz would come up. So I started getting a following from that. And then people started writing in sort of like, when's the next one coming out? I was like, next one? (laughs) It's not like a live thing. It's like a weekly thing. So then I just started making more. And they were always unscripted. Like, I mean, totally. They still are today. Just like this. It sounds scripted, but it's not. Um, No. (laughs) But it would just be things that I was interested and passionate about, little ideas that I had. And some of them resonated with folks. And then I, you know, I had the idea of just to, to kind of scale it up to doing longer lessons. And then I realized, you know, I put out so much free content, but I gotten sort of feedback from people and people were asking for longer lessons. I'll pay you to have longer lessons. So I did some Skype lessons, but that was less than satisfying because you couldn't really hear. And then is your mic on? Is that, you know, it was always some technological problems. So I said, let me just try to do some videos and see if people are interested. So we built a basic site, mm-hmm. Peter Martin Video Lessons. We had a very innovative name for it. <laughs> and uh, Peter Martin's Jazz Lessons, I guess. See and we just see. said, see what was going to happen. But because of the following on on the iTunes podcasts and the, the YouTube, really, at that point, the Two Minute Jazz was kind of rolling. A bunch of folks were interested, so I kept making it. And the idea was, let me do, it was just like the, this podcast. I was like, let me do a new lesson every week. And I've been doing it ever since. For like, You still on. do that new I lesson every week. I still do that, yeah. yeah. And that was the... That was the thing. And, and my thinking on that was like, I just wanted it to be simple and regular and for people to have a chance to practice on it. And I was used to having a lesson every week when I was a kid. Yeah. You, know, you go into your piano lesson and you yeah, work yeah. on this. And you can learn at a certain point on your own to teach yourself, but it's great to have that sort of check-in. So what I tried to give people was that with the original site, and still to this day with Jazz Piano Method, is a new concept to sort of sink your teeth into that would take you through that week. And sometimes it even continues on, like it'll be part one and part two, Mm. something to look forward to. For folks that can really either don't have access to a teacher in their area, don't have time, you know, want to do something on a Sunday night or late at night, and they don't have, you know, a resource of a live teacher, which is always best. That's great, man. So, and I'm always amazed, you know, around here in the studio when you go to record uh, a new lesson or new round of lessons for the jazz piano method that you still kind of effortlessly come up with stuff. I mean, even I'll though you've tell. done over 400, but I, yeah. I, honestly, it's it's impressive that you can still think of stuff to do. Now, just like the podcast too, we we do get a lot of uh, recommendations, yes. like you know, yeah. suggestions, record this or whatever. So that that's helped. helped a lot. I mean, I've had. You know, I've said we have a great membership worldwide, you know, folks in over 100 countries now, and it's been so wonderful to meet them, but but to also try to serve their needs um, in terms of things they're interested in. So sometimes it's a matter of, you know, um, I want better two-handed voicings, yeah. and um, sometimes it's like I, I want to play Round Midnight, but I never really knew how to do it. Yeah. So we'll do a couple lessons on that. But, I mean, there's always jazz piano. It's like an endless well. You yeah. know, there's always another tune to cover. Tell me about it. And then, I mean, I, I can go back to... Rhythm change. I've done a number of different lessons on. There's always a different way to look at it. So I thought I would have run out of topics by now, going over 400 lessons, but I haven't. So when when did it start? Uh, when did, when did you decide to start to take it from? Excuse me, to take it from the jazz piano method, the weekly piano yeah. lesson, to bringing in your friends, to bringing in Hutch, right. to bringing in Amer Labombo. Yeah, and those two guys were really, you know, our first. Uh, outside artists and that was the kind of the inception of open studio right and they were you know the original idea was just to for them to do something similar to what i did with jazz jazz piano method and so we set it up but then i started to realize i was like this could be something bigger and in terms of like you know 
if we're together, we can do things together. We can still have individual lessons for the instruments, but we can do some group stuff and we can do some things all, you know, together. And, and so, and it's always funner to do things with, with, with your friends. For sure. And, and so some of the, a bunch of artists saw what I was doing. I'm like, I want to do that. Can you help me do that? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started thinking, okay, maybe this could be a network. And that was the original name was open studio network. We kind of dropped the network at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to open studio to just cause we liked that better. But it was really, the idea was a network of like-minded musicians that were also really good teachers so greg hutchinson and romero lubamba were two of the first that were like i want to do this and so i i knew they were both great players and i figured they were good teachers but they were kind of like me they weren't necessarily trained in how to do a video course so i showed them some things that i kind of knew but basically they were naturals at it yeah and so um that was super easy and and you know like greg hutchinson's stuff is just so he's so good at explaining and showing it was more of a matter of like how do we adjust the cameras now because we had gotten really good at doing piano with the overhead and different things we added over the years mm -hmm. from requests but now it was like okay what are drummers are going to want so we looked at a bunch of drum things and that was around the time you came in that was close but, yeah, yeah yeah and um and then we started doing transcriptions which is really where you came in and that's a big part of the history of open studio it was like we you know i was very anti-transcription because i'm like I'm preaching learn by ear, learn by ear. But I then I realized I was like, people don't always have time for that. And ideally you do that when you're coming up younger. But so I kind of acquiesced on that. And you were you came in doing a lot of transcriptions of things we were playing and obviously grew into a much bigger role here. And, and just like the whole team has grown, like the artist roster has grown. It's like we're trying to serve a lot more people and to do it as good as we can. The platform side, the, the music side, the, the, the production side, the mm. content side. Um, and then, you know, the podcast and, and the, the blog and everything that goes along with it. That's right. Yeah. And, and if you, if you haven't heard how the, the, you'll hear it podcast, which you're listening to right now, meta meta, uh, that was an extremely focused planned event where Peter came in one morning and said, we're doing a daily podcast and we just have done that. Yeah. We <laughs> like started that no, day. Remember that? Yeah. No, like I mean, January 30th. It was last so year. off the cuff and I don't know why, but I was just like, okay. <laughs> and, and, and here we are like, you know, over a year later, it's kind of incredible that. Well, that's been it, part of, yeah. I mean, actually that's the other side of like, obviously the great artists and the great team we have here is what really makes the open studio what it is. Um, but we have some cultural things that have developed nicely within the company and one is like we'll try anything yeah um and we've had mostly successes we've had some failures too um the hang <laughs> no, no no we've got some things that we're still retooling but i mean if you don't try <laughs> something how do you know if it's going to work no it's so true and then we also we're very intuitive and so you and i had talked about and some other people on the team here about we were all, everyone was always like man have you heard this podcast have you and i've been old school on the podcast train for for years and so i just kind of woke up that day i mean i literally woke up with the with the idea at three in the morning and my, it was a simple thing. It was like, I love podcasts so much. I don't listen to any jazz podcasts, but I love jazz. There yeah. isn't really, I mean, there's some other good jazz, jazz podcasts, but yeah. nothing that people were keeping up to date. I mean, we have too many jazz on the podcast, yeah, yeah. but there's not enough of it coming out. And all the podcasts that I like, there's some regularity to them. I mean, the whole do it every day. I was like, we're going to keep it short. We didn't really have the bandwidth at that time to script it. So, like, we could spend way more time than we do on this every day by doing one incredibly produced and scripted um, podcast. But it would be different, like, every week. Different. And we kind of yeah. tried that with the process. So we did have some experience. I was proud of the process. I felt the process like it was, was cool. great. Yeah. It just didn't really work within our workflow of all the other things Agreed. we were trying to do. 
So, you know, it might make a reappearance, though. I, I, I wonder how many people here. Well, I wonder how many people here have tuned out because we're not talking <laughs> about two five ones and voicings. But for the people who are, who are still on, you know, might not know your sort of um, that you're a businessman, that, that you own, the, you know, open studio. And this is it sounds part, so shady. It does. Sound shady. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but that you have this sort of knack for it. And I'm wondering, you know, and it's also being working here working with you and talking to you about music i've learned a lot but i've also learned a lot about business and things like that so mm. what do you think draws you to that and what are the skills i mean obviously you're just great jazz pianist but why why have those skills translated to a startup well i think um the the you know there's some things that i learned as a jazz musician um or really skills that i got from developing as a jazz musician that lend themselves well to le like leading a startup. That's and what just I said. Being part of a startup. Yeah, that's yeah. what I just said. Oh, yeah, I like to answer questions with with the with the. I like to throw it back at you. No, that's why I it's asked like you. We're playing tennis. That's uh, what I just asked you. Okay, now I'm gonna get into it. So now I'm laying it out first. Um, improvisation. So totally. obviously, improvisation is one of the most important things. As opposed to going in, like what I would not be great at is going in being a businessman in a typical large scale corporate structure yeah, yeah, where yeah. like you're coming in at middle management or even like at the top where you have to fit into a certain system. Now I can, I think as jazz musicians, we can fit into a system, but within that we flourish with like creativity and saying like, how do we push the boundaries and pull back and stuff? And really as a startup, you have to do that. You, there is no playbook for this. I mean, I know that they have like entrepreneurial seminars and, and, and programs at universities and stuff, and that can help you. Yeah. But you, but if it was as easy as just, you know, follow. It's just like, how do you play a great solo? Oh, just copy this one that's written down. Well, you just played John Coltrane's solo. Why is it not as good as <laughs> the way he played it? Yeah. So it's the same thing with starting a business in terms of like you're creating something from nothing. Yeah. So you there's certain rules that you can go by, but you have to know when to break them, just like a jazz solo. And you can't be afraid to break them. Well, I think that's the key is, you know, when you were talking about starting the podcast and you just had this idea or whatever, I think there is a certain amount of just not being afraid to fail. Yeah. That has to happen on stage at all times. Yeah. You know, to the confidence to put yourself out there and to be and yourself. In the business world, like, you know, the, we remember hearing during the financial crisis 2008, 2007 about like these banks were too big to fail and stuff. Yeah. I always thought when you're a startup and you're small, the advantage is you're too small to fail. There's the because you have, you have no success you're yet. You're failing <laughs> like, by design. You're failing. Yeah. So you might as well. Now that is the time to just try stuff. And then. Same thing with being a musician too, actually. When you're at exactly. the jam session phase, exactly. like, you're too bad to sound good. Yeah, so don't worry about it. And when someone's freaking out, oh, I didn't sound good. No one's at your gigs. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> now's the time to, it really is. Now's yeah, the time so to true, try man. everything. And then hopefully you'll be comfortable enough once you do grow to something. As, and so these things that I think are intuitive to a jazz musician really do lend themselves well to when you get in that startup environment, being able to work with people, put together a team quickly, and then make it be very, like one thing I love about jazz that, that made so much sense to me because I in some ways came equally out at a young age of the classical world as well as jazz, playing it and being part of that. You know, jazz truly is a, a democratic music. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a perfect democracy, just like our democracy is perfect. Far from it right now. But I mean, <laughs> it's like the ideal of it at least in that, yeah, you might have a leader who's the trumpet player or the pianist or the vocalist or whatever. But when you hit the highest level of, of jazz improvisate group improvisation, that the leader is actually based upon who's playing the best, that particular tune. Kind of is, and yeah, that, yeah. You know, like if you think about the best groups, like, you know, 
weather report. And I know that was co-led in a lot of ways or whatever. Like when Wayne is like going crazy and taking over, like everyone goes into a supportive role, but you're still together. So I think with the startup environment, what we have that, that's exciting, if you pay attention to that, is like that anyone can take the ball and run with it or become the quarterback, you know, flea flick or whatever at any time. And in jazz, like we're very attuned to that. It's like true. that's part of our thing because we get this idea of like the 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 – the performance is going to be the whole, not just the based upon what one person does. We are so, that's true. And especially, I think, as pianists, you're used to going from the spotlight and shifting very quickly to being as supportive as you can. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and vice versa. And listening. I and mean, that's listening. such an important thing when, yeah. you know, when you're with a small team and we've grown a lot, but we're still a small team is like really being able to listen and let the ideas, creativity come from anywhere and not, not get set. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of things. I think. I'm very grateful, you know, to to jazz and just to music in general and how it can inform creating something because it's a creative music by nature. Yeah. I mean, it is like it forces, it fosters, it requires creativity, all the, you know, it, it fosters creativity and all those things. Well, man, should we should we go ahead and, and do something off the cuff here? And then we were talking about open studio a lot. I mean, yep. I'm just saying like. We have this thing called the All Access Pass. Bam. Maybe we should old school a, sponsorship. Put a little like it's uh, 2018. We should up put in a here. little uh, deal for the people who made it to the end of this podcast. Okay, deal alert. Bing, 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 yeah. bing. If you uh, if you at the if you purchase the All Access Pass, right, uh, the yearly subscription, you will get 50 percent ownership in opens. No. no, okay, sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> enter enter the uh, the coupon code. You'll, coupon code. You'll hear it, and there's going to be a nice discount for you. Oh, we're not even going to tell them what it is. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it a surprise discount. Okay. If you're satisfied, f- you know, finish out your uh, purchase. If you're not, write to Andrew at OpenStudioNetwork.com. Yeah, we'll do what we can, right? Yeah. We pay our artists very well. We do pay our that's artists. Part well. of the, that's probably the worst part of our business plan. <laughs> but for, 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 for we'll have a business plan, actually. <laughs> Maybe for the next week or so, if our You'll Hear It listeners enter, you'll hear it, no apostrophe, no spaces. Right. In the, the promo, uh, the offer code. Offer code. On the checkout page. Yeah, yeah. You're okay. going to save a percentage. A percentage. Yeah. It will be a positive percentage. Yes. <laughs> Good. going to make you pay more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you got planned this weekend? Big guy, uh, <laughs> I'm going fishing this weekend. Oh, yeah, cool. doing some trout fishing, some fly oh, fishing. Nice. It's been a while. Sounds dope and fly. Yeah, what's great about fly fishing is even if you don't catch any fish, you, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> even if you just catch any fish, you're just standing in the middle of a stream in some beautiful Missouri hill somewhere. It's great. Nice, yeah. nice. All right, well, I will eagerly look for my invitation to that adventure, and hopefully, I'll join you out there. Send me the GPS coordinates. Man, this is only. <laughs> well, till tomorrow. Till next week, you'll hear it. <laughs>